Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Willem Dafoe could not see for three days because he got too many eye drops to dilate the pupils of his eyes in bright sunlight to achieve a superhuman effect. Hello, and welcome to Little Marty, the only podcast on the internet dedicated to covering the works of Adam Sandler and, well, Martin Scorsese. Mm -hmm. My name is Eric Turkey. <laughs> Whoa. And my name is Jeremy Gobble Gobble. Welcome to the show. So excited to be here, Eric. Hey, uh, before you say anything else, Jeremy, could you pass the cranberries? Absolutely, if you wouldn't mind uh waking up Uncle Herman, who's fallen asleep at the dinner table. I don't want to rake him up. He's racist. <laughs> He's racist. <laughs> <laughs> that you're right. Might as well just sit him in front of the football game where he'll be yep. quiet. <laughs> Classic Thanksgiving. Jeremy, we made it through a month that I mean, it just scares the freaking crap out of me, man. <laughs> yeah. Spiders, true. pumpkins, ghosts, mm-hmm. goblins. Yeah, I, enough of that stuff. We're we're into November. That's right. Now is now is the time to break out your cornucopias. Yes, dude. Yes, my guy. And you know what? You can even bring back some of those pumpkins. <laughs> I feel <laughs> you like could if you want. Pump, pumpkins are also a Thanksgiving uh, treat and staple. Gourds, they call them, Eric. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. a big gourd guy. Are you more of a pumpkin guy or a squash guy? Um, you know, if I had to pick one yeah. or the other, yeah, yeah, I would probably have to choose. Uh, you know, I like the aesthetics of a uh, of a pumpkin. Mm-hmm. The symmetry. Yes, I was gonna say I like the taste of squash better, but that's not true. I'm gonna go with pumpkin. Yeah, I don't I even like know the, why I hesitated. I like the taste of pumpkin better. But I like the phallic nature of the squash <laughs> Great. <but> better. <laughs> uh, so here, so there's a lot more uh, gourds than I knew existed. There's the uh, there's something called a crookneck pumpkin, Jeremy, which basically looks like like a bone, <laughs> like interesting, like a classic, yeah, like a classic uh, uh, cartoon bone. Yeah. Yeah. Classic cartoon bone. Uh, mm-hmm. There is, of course, the melo- melothria, which I-, I don't know about your family, but mine always gathers around a big bowl of melorthria. Yeah. My melorthria is so wide that when I pee, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't have a consistent stream. Anyway, uh, are you a Thanksgiving person, Eric? Yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Here's what I'll say about Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I like everything involved in Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Big fan mm-hmm. of all of it. Right. Uh, except for the turkey. I don't really like turkey that much. Yeah. 
I agree. I have to have some. I, it has to be a damn good turkey, and I do mean a damn good turkey, Daddy. I mean, I've had turkeys where people have like prepared, like it had been like marinating Ooh. in some something for like soy sauce a very long time. Yeah, soy <laughs> soy sauce and sriracha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I've had I've had what would be considered good turkey before. I just it's not for me, you know. I hear it's you. just not my kind of not my kind of bird. If I'm going to eat a bird, Jeremy, mm-hmm. it's going to be a blue jay. Yeah, perfect. If if I'm going to eat a bird, Eric, it's going to be a yard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you going with Clapton? Oh, probably not. <laughs> probably someone more like um uh oh, what's his name? The drummer. The great, the great uh, Yardbirds remember. I don't know. Jimmy Phil Page. Collins. He was in the Yardbirds, right? Jimmy Page. I don't know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let me hold on. Let me check my uh, Rolling Stone Volume One mm-hmm. to find out. <laughs> yeah. Day one coverage of the Yardbirds. Oh uh, yeah, man! It's been so long since I've like been really like heavily focused into music and music lore. That I uh, forgot the drummer's name of the Yardbirds. It's not like me. Yeah, the the Yardbirds is one. Any Clapton-related thing, I've just never gotten fully on board with. Even Cream. That opinion, I think, holds up about about Mr. Clapton. Um, Let's see. Who do we got here? Is, Is Eric Clapton... Okay, so English... Rock band, a vocalist Keith Reef, Jim McCarty, Chris Decha. Oh yeah, uh, Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, and Jeff Beck were all in the band. Oh, Jeff Beck. All right, I like Jeff Beck. Yeah, I like Jimmy Page. He's great. But uh, Eric Clapton is a stinker, my guy. Oh, and yeah. I and I never knew the drummer's name for the Yardbirds. It was Cream's drummer that I was thinking of, and that is Ginger ah, Baker, of course. Ginger Baker. Got it. Oh yeah, that guy's crazy. He was yeah. like crazy, right? Yeah, he's There's cool. like a documentary about him. Yeah, he's great. Ginger Baker, Jack Bruce. Ugh. Man, remember when famous people were just guys that were just like on a ton of drugs? Oh, dude, that was way better. Not, I mean, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> The cast of the movie we're talking about today counts <laughs> in this, yeah. in this, uh, in that like hi- historical lineage of behavior. I don't know. Bowie was pretty straight edge, though. Dude, Bowie's perform uh, Bowie's performance in this is incredible. <laughs> He's yeah. only in it for a second, but that scene is probably my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, he's a he's he's a he's a good actor, but Jeremy. Enough of this, mm-hmm. and uh, enough uh, enough of this uh, gourd talk. I don't sure. even know how we got started on this, but uh, you know we're doing something special. You know, uh, probably, you know, the second most important part of this month is that it is Thanksgiving month. The first most important part of the month, Jeremy. It's uh, something that I like to call Monkey Bone Vember, <laughs> and uh, why don't you tell the people what? what i mean by that well if you happen to subscribe to our patreon at the five dollar tier that is of course patreon.com slash eric and jeremy you will be welcomed to a week 
uh, a month, sorry, of Monkey Bone coverage. That will be one episode per week dedicated to the film Monkey Bone. Um, and are we going to be covering different aspects of the film? No, just the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> Four times. Uh, which is something that after I watched the movie today, uh, my feeling was, oh my God, oh my God. So that's where we're at with Monkey Bone Vember. Is it going to be a challenge? Yes. Is it going to be worth it? You be the judge. <laughs> Sign up. Well, yeah. I will say, Jeremy, uh, this is this this you know Monkey Bone Vember has already inspired some really you know uh, some great ideas for me for, yes. the, for the podcast and perfect. Uh, uh, r- remind me to I have a note to bring this up on the Patreon episode, but I do have a very uh, I have an idea. Let me guess: that is I, it that bedazzled like December? <laughs> uh, no, but it is. That's kind. That was kind of my plan for February. Because <laughs> it's romantic. Bedebuary. Bedebuary. I love it. I love that. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, uh, the the films that popped up after I screened Monkey Bone on Amazon Prime. That it's like you might also like this. <laughs> was just all great stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How? Uh, oh, we'll get into it on that. Yeah, we'll get into episode. it. But I I am excited to talk Monkey Bone. Um, I do feel like its first viewing is great. So oh, I yeah. well I will say that I I enjoyed Monkey Bone. <laughs> I enjoyed Monkey Bone and I am excited to talk about it one time. Now am I going to be excited to talk about it four times? I don't know. You be the judge. Patreon.com/Eric and Jeremy. Five dollar tier. Sign up. So Jeremy, enough of this Monkey Bone in around. It's time to talk about uh, the Last Temptation of Christ, which is uh, the uh, the next film in the Martin Scorsese, uh, you know, filmography that we are to talk about today. I can't even remember because it's been so long. What was what was even the last? What was the Scorsese before this one? Was it, it After Hours? Yeah, I think it was After Hours. No, no, no. Okay. Color of Money, I believe, actually. Ah, the co- yes. The Color of Money was the last. Scorsese film we talked about, which feels like forever ago because we did two Sandlers in a row. Didn't you come up with like a really clever alternative title to The Color of Money? Oh, yeah. Green. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is green. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that what was that? A year ago we did that episode? Um, yeah, it seems like it. Yeah. Um, uh, I, the Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, I want to know what your history is with this film, Eric, before we get into it. Do you have any? Have you seen it before? Non-existent. I have not, I have no history with this film. It's a film that I have seen probably like the cover. I've probably like out of context seen some references to it or something, or maybe even some clips from it. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I was very unaware of what i was in for with this movie right and do you um and and it w- there was a bit of drama which we should share with the listeners um eric actually watched passion of the christ instead on accident and um yeah and then i told yeah, him yeah. About, i told him no 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 it's actually the last temptation of christ and then 
Eric proceeded to watch the Passion of the Christ again. <laughs> but yeah, this and time the because he time. wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> and the third time, Jeremy, I mean, this is it's embarrassing enough that you've already shared those two mm-hmm. mistakes of my uh, on my part, but right. uh Okay, I'll, I'll I'll admit it. I did end up watching all three seasons of Temptation Island before uh, I realized we were watching uh, the Last Temptation of Christ. He, exactly. Yeah. Um, it was a whole thing, so it took us a while to get this episode out. Uh, I have a little bit of weird family history with this film. Can I share? Can I share? Mm. Um, sure. I grew up in a. Um, a, uh, a very religious household. Like my parents were kind of followers of like the Billy Graham movement in the eighties, the mid eighties. And, um, you know, just, uh, Jesus freaks, you might say. And, um, when I was born, I'm born in 1987. This movie is shot in 1987. This movie releases mm. in 1988 I am one years old as my parents are literally um, outside with me as a young inf- as a young child uh, protesting the last temptation of Christ. Interesting. And they would tell this story a lot about how one of my first things they did with me, outings they did with me, was take me to a protest of the last temptation of Christ. Um, no, yeah, I, I always thought that was uh that that felt to me very like apropos for the kind of line of work I would end up following later in life, which would be irreverently, you know, sort of taking all of my religious upbringing and dashing that to the rocks and sort of following a a more worldly endeavor, making movies, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So yeah. Um, this movie ha- holds to me like a a, um, a lot of uh, mixed feelings. A lot of feelings come up about this movie. I think mainly because of that story. But, um, but yeah, uh, I have seen this movie before, though. This isn't my this is my second time seeing it, um, and a much different viewing experience this time. I will say, uh, the first time I saw it, I think I just thought it was boring. But then right. this time, I think different thoughts. So, well, uh, Jeremy, I actually do have a similar story myself. My uh-huh. parents were they—they uh, they did not like John Candy, um, right? Back in the day, and I was born in 1989, uh, which happens to be uh, the year that Uncle Buck came out. So we. I, I was actually protesting the release of Uncle Buck <laughs> <laughs> with my parents. Right, yeah. And that was tragic because you would end up becoming a big buckhead. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm always watching Uncle Buck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The buck don't stop with you, Eric. Who is Gabby Hoffman? I just I, I ended up looking up uh, the cast of Uncle Buck. But it's Gabby Hoffman's like one of the kids in it, but it, she yeah, looks familiar as she, an adult. Yes, she is a, a uh, in in she was in Transparent as the youngest daughter. She's oh in, sure okay. She's in uh, the new that new Joaquin Phoenix movie called Got It. Come on, come on! I think is what it's called. Yeah, she's she's been around. She's in Girls. You know. Hmm. Okay. Hey, what do you think about this idea that I have for a, a show? 
guys. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Will you? Will there be girls in it? Because in girls, there was guys in it. And sometimes I would joke to my friends sitting on the couch, this should be called girls <laughs> and guys. <laughs> um, yes. There, all genders will be represented. Perfect. And guys. And guys. <laughs> guys gender neutral. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so Scorsese wanted to make a film version of uh, Jesus's life since childhood. So Scorsese himself has quite had quite a uh, religious, or quite a, a Catholic background. Uh, let's see. While he was directing Barbara Hershey in '72, uh, in the '72 film Boxcar Bertha, she gave him a copy of Casa. Do you know how to pronounce his name? I think it's Milo Casalopoulos. <laughs> Good no. enough to me. No, it's Kazantzakis. Kazantzakis. Yeah. Uh, Scorsese optioned the novel in the late 70s, and he gave it to Paul Schrader to adapt. Uh, the Lamp's Temptation of Christ was originally to be Scorsese's follow-up to The King of Comedy. Uh, production was slated to begin in 83. Blah, 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 blah. The original cla- cast included Aidan Quinn as Jesus, Sting as Pontius Pilate, Ray Davies as Judas... And Vanity as Mary Magdalene. Mm. Uh, the management at Paramount and its then parent company, blah, 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 uh, grew uneasy due to the ballooning budget for the picture and protest letters receiving from religious groups. The budget thing is interesting because when I listened to, I, I listened to a couple interviews with Corsese and Willem Dafoe, and they both referred to this as a low budget movie. It it turns out it was. Yeah, the original budget was 14 million um shot on location in Israel, which would have been quite a different movie, I think, than what we ended up getting. Uh this is a 7 million dollar budget turns yeah. out. And, and it was shot in Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> um you know what I think is interesting something about something you said is that Sting was cast originally to play Pontius Pilate, but then is later replaced by David Bowie. So, like, it's pretty clear to me that Scorsese always had this sort of idea in the back of his mind that he was going to cast sort of outrageously for these characters. Like, you know, you think about the 80s, like, you wouldn't want to cast a rock star to play in your Jesus movie unless you're doing something. You know what I mean? Unless you're doing, like, a, a bit. And right. it's clear he was like kind of always conceptualizing this as a bit of a rock and roll thing. Um, yeah. Do you think um, when Sting agreed to be in the movie, he agreed by sending a message in a bottle? I, I he did. Hmm. Yeah, I hope he did. You know, so. the idea the idea behind me doing a, a sting pun, mm-hmm. police pun was was the idea of it was funnier than my actual actual execution. No, of, it was of, good. I should have picked, picked a different reference, like something about Roxanne. Yeah, you don't need to turn on the yeah, Jesus, you don't need to turn on the red light, something like that. <laughs> sure. <Yeah. laughs> Uh, in 1986, Universal Studios became interested in the project. Scorsese offered to shoot the film in 58 days for $7 million, and Universal eventually greenlighted the project. I think, I think that's crazy. I think that's crazy. I'm just going to say it. I think that's nuts. Yeah. That is not a lot of time, and that is not a lot of money. He flew everyone to uh, Morocco. That's where they ended up filming it. So... Mm. 
that's crazy. <laughs> that's that's really nuts. He's getting all these people together to shoot this thing for so low budget. It's such a passion project um, for him. Hmm. Uh, let's see here. Let's dive into some of the old wacky trivia. <laughs> yeah, there's some the last good, temptation of Christ. Good stuff, Jeremy. I got bad news, man. What's that? If you're on the set of The Last Temptation of Christ, mm-hmm. you're going to have to leave those that pack of cools at the door, my man, because yeah. Martin Scorsese banned smoking from the set, both because he's a severe asthmatic and to avoid any photographs being taken of actors and actresses playing biblical characters, primarily Willem Dafoe, who smoked at the time, with cigarettes hanging out of their mouths. Yeah, so this is... We're, we're going to start getting into this idea here that I really... I'm really fascinated with about the last temptation of Christ, which is that the culture at the time, like the temperature of America is like, we absolutely do not want you to make this movie. Like Bible characters are so, we are so reverential to Bible characters. They, they got protest letters before the movie even went into production, like five years before it did go into production. Um, this is so controversial. Studios won't make it, and actors are declining to be in the movie because of they're afraid of their careers being ruined. I can't even imagine a world like that right now. <laughs> right, like making a movie like this would be nothing today. It would be such a softball. Who cares? It would come and go, and we wouldn't bat an eye. Um, but back then making kind of an anti I don't even think this is an anti-christian movie. I think this might be a full-on Christian movie. It still was so controversial that like he's he's considering that people are going to take pictures of the cast smoking cigarettes and they're going to get like they're going to get sued for that or something. That's that's really that's a real that's a weird world. I think it's interesting, yeah. And when you hear, when you listen to Scorsese talk about this movie and sort of what he was trying to do and why this material like resonated with him, it's actually not from a place of like uh, anti-Catholicism or anything. Right. It's actually, um, I won't be able to summarize what he said in this interview very well, but he's, it, it's basically like. If anything, sort of in honor pro, of yeah, he's yeah, doing this in like honor of the Christ story. He's it's, not it's doing like, this, to, yeah, to make it. He's not doing, and this it's to kind of an poke. exploration of yeah. like his own faith too, because he, you know, came from that background, and right. I don't know. Like when I was listening to interviews with him, I was like, I think he is like, I don't like. I think he is still Catholic and he's, stuff. He's or at super least Catholic. during that time. Yeah. Yeah, he's super Catholic. He's super religious. The Scorsese just because you're religious doesn't mean you can't make good fellas. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't it doesn't right. mean anything. Like he's he is super religious, even though people at the time thought he was the antichrist for making a movie like this. But what makes me sick about that is you're right. Like you said, it's an exploration of something that isn't real. No one is saying this is the actual Bible, what actually happens in the Bible. No one is saying this is the actual Christ story. It's just like a thought experiment to me. 
Yeah. And why is that so crazy? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I've lost my connection to religion for so long now that I, I find it so nuts that this was so controversial. Because to me, I find every depiction in this movie to be very respectful, especially Willem Dafoe's performance. <laughs> it's almost too sincere. <laughs> uh, let's see. Willem, you, let's see here. The script for the film sat in the office of Scorsese's lawyer for at least five years before being made. Scorsese thought the film could be brilliant. He was concerned how the public might respond to the finished film. His lawyer agreed the script was brilliant and very brave, but advised him against making the movie. Yeah, just like so much pushback. Mm -hmm. Uh, You got to respect the man for like following through. You know? Yeah. I mean, there, here's a piece of trivia. Because of the controversy surrounding this role in uh, his role in this movie, Willem Dafoe was refused a role in another historical epic movie after the sponsors threatened to pull all funding if he was cast. Thus, the role of Doc Holliday in Tombstone went to Val Kilmer. Uh, and that is a 1993 movie, meaning if it shot in 92, this is four years after the release, or five years after the release of Last Temptation. That means for. It, the the consequences of playing Jesus in this movie echoed for a lot longer. Um, interesting to think about that it kind of mm. hurt Willem Dafoe's career. Uh, let's see. Ba, 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 ba. Well, a lot of this is stuff that we already talked about. Uh, what do you say we dive into the plot? Because we got a long one here. Yeah, yeah, let's go for it. Um, uh, oh, real quick, yeah, we should mention Peter Gabriel. I think. Just, yes. just, yeah. I, I, I don't know what your feelings is on the music. I'm guessing I'm going to get a lot more of an idea of, about your general feelings on the whole film as we're going. But uh, Peter Gabriel does the score. Um, all the all the music is done um, by him. Uh, it is um, it is iconic to say the least. Uh, so much so that the Criterion version of this film has it has like four supplemental materials, and one of them is just a Peter Gabriel interview. <laughs> um, apparently, he composed a lot of the music back, like kind of bef- way before they started filming, because Scorsese had like tried to get this film off the ground, bef- you know, once before, and had tapped into him for that. And then, uh, yeah, they picked it up back when uh, Scorsese started up production again. And I will say, this is like, like one one of one of those all time great sort of iconic film scores, compositionally and as a soundtrack. It is '80s as hell, and I think that really adds to the aesthetic of what we're gonna see in this movie. So. Yes. Um, Got to be honest with you. I didn't even realize that was Peter Gabriel. Oh, dude. Doing that, it is. Doing that so, the drums. That's how you know. It's like the bump, 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 bump. It sounds like um, in the air of the night or something. Like just the mix of the drums in mm. the... Uh, it sounds like Genesis or, yeah, Phil Collins. It's 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 so... 80s it's so 80s it's like throwing up 80s all over the place and it's so rad 
<laughs> See, I thought it was the Yardbirds. No, 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 no. Although Eric Clapton really did not appreciate this movie coming out. I'm sure. Uh, let's see here. Jesus of Nazareth is a carpenter in Roman-occupied Judea, torn between his own desires and his knowledge that God has a plan for him. His uh, conflict results in self-loathing, and he collaborates with the Romans to crucify Jewish rebels. Yeah, uh, yeah. I uh, this movie starts out in a very confusing way, I, and I will say that um, as somebody, I, you weren't re- raised religious, were you, Eric? Yeah, I was. Okay, so Catholic. you 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 know the Jesus story for the most part, right? Yeah, I'm I'm very familiar with a lot of this stuff. Okay, so I am too, and as somebody who knows the 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 gospel, the New Testament gospels pretty well, uh, had a hard time following this movie at first. Like, I didn't know what place they were starting from, and I didn't really know. It almost felt like they were telling a story out of order. Did you get that same kind of? Yeah, vibe? I think things are out of order. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there's a scene. I, one of the problems is, I think, in if you're reading the Bible or if you're like learning the story of the Bible, Jesus kind of like gets all of his disciples, and then he starts doing all this other stuff. And in this, it kind of like shows him, already he knows Mary Magdalene, which is a weird thing. And I think, mm-hmm. and, then, and then you see him save her, which is a famous story. And then it's like, but then I thought we would, were maybe traveling back in time to like when he met her originally. But no, I think it's just he knows her and then she's being stoned. Right. And I'm not talking devil's lettuce, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, t- Judas Iscariot, a friend of Jesus, uh, originally sent to kill him for collaboration, uh, instead suspects that Jesus is the Messiah and asks him, to lead a liberation war against the Romans. Played by Harvey um, Keitel, Judas Iscariot. Yes, I was just going <laughs> to ask. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so one of the funniest things about this movie is that Scorsese decides, for whatever reason, I would, I, if, I would love to see an interview on this choice, to cast Jesus and all of his disciples as New Yorkers. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole movie is is dudes going like yo jesus what i'm walking here it's like it's like you see harvey Keitel being the most new york new yorker and but yet he's saying stuff like are we gonna have to go to golgotha you know just like as if he's talking about getting a pizza in brooklyn or something it's so <laughs> wild yeah. uh and in fact i don't know if you know I don't know if you were able to pick out a lot of the disciples, Eric, but, um, you know, we covered David Lynch's uh, oh, yeah. Wild at Heart, which basically, when we get to that trailer park in Wild at Heart, David Lynch basically recasts most of the disciples in that. He takes a lot of them from this film. So John Lurie, who is at the time, like, a, uh, a, I think he's a trumpet player, plays a lot, a lot with, like, Tom Waits and stuff. He's a disciple. Um, obviously, uh, Harry Dean Stanton, who ends up in, in this movie as uh, Saul slash Paul. He's in Wild at Heart. And then, of course, Willem Dafoe. Um, but yeah, th- th- this movie starts to make a little bit more sense to me anyways, once I started considering that Scorsese cast like a bunch of freaks <laughs> like, <laughs> as, this, as this ragtag crew. 
it's pretty wild actually yeah it's 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 very interesting that that is like maybe the most uh that was my favorite thing about seeing watching this movie for the first time is because I had not read, you know, who who was in it or anything like that. So uh, just randomly seeing these people, like, you yeah. know, we talked about Bowie and yes, Harry Dean. I was very excited about, dude. Uh, yes, that's yeah. another. I mean, and, and they become, I think, my favorite parts of the film is watching Bowie as pilot and watching Harry Dean as Paul and Saul. It's it my mind cannot understand it when it's happening like i'm watching david bowie but i just don't believe he's actually in robes pretending to be a bible character it just is like my mind won't let me believe that <laughs> yeah <laughs> um let's see here uh jesus replies that his message of love is love of humankind, whereupon Judas joins Jesus in his ministry, but threatens to kill him if he strays from the purpose of rebellion. Uh, Jesus also has an undisclosed prior relationship with Mary Magdalene, a Jewish prostitute. Uh, what do you think of Barbara Hershey, Jeremy? Yeah, from Boxcar Bertha. That was actually a pretty cool piece of trivia that, like, um, oh, yeah. that she gives him the book on the set of Boxcar Bertha, and then, like, you know. 15 years later Scorsese or like 20 years later hell you know Scorsese makes the movie and Barbara Hershey begs him to be in it and he obliges but then he says you know I don't want I don't need to feel like I'm just giving you the role so he he actually made her audition anyway so that she could feel like you know she earned the role and honestly she does a great job she's doing as good as anyone else (laughs) I'll tell you that she's as believable in her role as literally anyone else in the movie is. Oh yeah. Uh, after saving Mary Magdalene from a mob gathered to stone her for prostitution and working on the Sabbath, Jesus starts preaching. Uh, he acquires disciples, but remains uncertain of his role. Uh, he visits John the Baptist who baptizes him and the two discuss the- uh, theology and politics. Mm hmm. Uh, John's primary goal is to gain freedom from the Romans, while Jesus maintains people should tend to matters of the spirit. Yeah, uh, this Jesus... is uh, one of the cooler set pieces, I think, in the movie, is the river, um, where yeah. all the people mm-hmm. are freaking out, like, naked and shaking and stuff. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a, it's like one of the scenes I liked the most. The scene where everyone's <laughs> naked and freaking out. Yeah, well, just because I think it's a cool set piece. Like he, like Scorsese <laughs> uses a lot of wides, right? And, right, and everyone's right. like playing the drums and they're like going nuts. And you have this freak in the middle baptizing yeah, people, and good. then they do a mouth kiss for like maybe a minute and a half. I think is this mouth kiss the length of it. Uh, Jesus then goes into the desert to test God's connection to Himself, where He is tempted by Satan but resists and envisions himself with an axe being instructed by John the Baptist in answer to Jesus's dilemma of whether to choose the path of love symbolized by the heart or the path of violence represented by the axe. This is my, one of my least favorite scenes. <laughs> <laughs> him in the desert. Uh, I'm just like, this is, this sucks. Like with the lion and shit. I kind of like that actually. You like I the lion? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it kind of reminded me of uh, Wayne's World 2, Wayne's Dream. And, <laughs> uh, Jesus returns from the desert to the home of Martha and Mary uh, of Bethany, 
who restores him to health and attempt to and attempts to persuade him typo in the Wikipedia mm-hmm. that the way to please God is to have a home, a marriage, and children and podcast. And well yeah. In the podcast presence of his all. podcast God <laughs> God then podcast. In the presence of his waiting disciples, he takes it out uh, his own heart and holds it in his hand. He invites them to follow him. Uh, with newfound confidence, he performs various miracles and raises Lazarus from the deed. Did uh did you see, kind of watch this Lazarus scene and then like have it recontextualized in your brain about like actually how how messed up it is that he rose he brought someone back from the dead, <laughs> like just how like actually disgusting and traumatizing that is for everyone (laughs) like in the bible it is it is kind of like presented as like a a, an incredible miracle and everyone was so excited but then in this you see it and it's like he literally just makes a zombie appear (laughs) like everyone's like (laughs) yeah it is It is a uh, one of those <laughs> just like the zombie hand popping out of the popping yes. out of the thing. Yeah. And, yeah. And then if seeing what happens to Lazarus later, I'm like, yeah, it's disgusting. Get that thing out of here. <laughs> like that thing needs to die. <laughs> um eventually his ministry reaches Jerusalem where Jesus performs the cleansing of the temple and leads a small army to capture the temple by force. Uh, but halts on the steps to wait a sign uh, to await a sign from God. Wait, is this the one with the where they're doing the market in the? Um, it, it's temple, weird. Or is he, that later on? Uh, they're combining. They're combining two things here because you're right. They, he does the whole market scene, which is wild. Because at one point he just throws a chicken in the air. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, but then later, there's another thing where they they actually go to Jerusalem, and he is kind of like paraded through the streets on a donkey. And then when he gets to the the steps of the, um, yeah, the the temple, he he re- his hands and feet start to bleed. So wow. it's two different things where he kind of goes nuts in the streets and is turning over like buckets and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I much prefer the first one where he throws the chicken because it is so wild. He just, a guy's just holding a chicken and he just takes it, like in the middle of like turning over tables and pushing stuff over and pushing people, <laughs> he just grabs this guy's chicken and throws it into the air, like yeah. effectively doing nothing. <laughs> like the chicken just <laughs> kind of fly, flutters around. Uh, he begins bleeding from his hands, which he recognizes as a sign that he must die on the cross to bring salvation to mankind. Uh, confiding in Judas, he persuades the latter to give him to the Romans, despite Judas's inclination otherwise. Uh, Jesus convenes his disciples for Passover Seder, whereupon G- uh, Judas leads a contingent of soldiers to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane, yes. Gethsemane. Uh, I have not seen that. I feel like that's one that I've only heard out Sad, loud. Spoken, yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, Jesus turns himself over. Uh, Pontius Pilate confronts Jesus and tells him that he must be put to death because he represents a threat to the Roman Empire. Jesus is flogged. 
The crown of thorns is placed on his head, and finally he is crucified. What does flogged mean? Flogged just means beat. Oh. I like hit. Oh. Um, yeah, so this th- this scene with Pontius Pilate, um, David Bowie comes out, and the scene is maybe about three minutes long at the most. Uh, it's what I do, what I do so it's already crazy he's casting Bowie right and but what I do find even more nuts is that like if you watch films where they cast rock stars usually you're doing that because you want a kind of performance right you want like like I don't know if you've seen Mick Jagger and like Free Jack or something but like yeah he's doing like rock star shit in that he like looks like a rock star he's like moving his hips he, he's a kind of jokery David Bowie uh you know we've seen it we, we we've covered another movie um, for on our Patreon that he was in, the man who fell to Earth, and he's nuts in that movie. You know, like he's yeah. he's he's a good actor, but he's 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 playing like what you would kind of imagine a rock star's role is in a, in a film. Um, but this is the most understated, subtle performance in the film. I think, like him as Pontius Pilate, might be the most believable character in the movie to me. Like, I think so too, and I so think it's calm. the most. It's the most like norm, like you know, normal guy. Yes, that I've ever seen David Bowie play. You know yes. what I mean? Like it's it's like almost weird, like how sort of like tame this character is in and, a way, and how measured and how right Pontius Pilate is. Like this was a weird moment for me where i'm like everything he says i agree with i'm like yeah that's that's exactly right this this guy's a freak <laughs> this guy jesus you're talking to is a total freak like you are he was he's being very reasonable with him um it makes me really wish that we got because famously in the bible pontius Pilate does this whole thing where he brings jesus up in front of all the jews and a murderer and he says we're gonna crucify one of them which one do you want to to crucify and the crowd says Jesus. And I I wish that scene was in here because it's not only is it pretty famous, but it would have given us more David Bowie, which I think would have been which would have been cool. Yeah. What do you think what would you think if Pontius Pilate, just for like no explained reason, did have the lightning bolt face paint? <laughs> yeah. Yes. If he had the Ziggy Stardust <laughs> happening. Yeah, that yeah. would be great. Yeah. You know, I did think it was a little odd, though, Jeremy, how when uh, Jesus and Pontius Pilate uh, drank martinis and played ping pong right, for mm-hmm. 20 minutes straight at the end of the movie. Yeah, it is, it's a weird vibe, considering what happened. <laughs> it's a reference to the man who fell from Earth. If you, hey, if you subscribe to the Patreon, you're probably laughing your little hiney off right now. Yeah, your hiney's you gone right now. Yeah, if you don't, well... You know, you're missing out. <laughs> Eventually, his ministry reaches Jerusalem where Jesus performs the cleansing of the temple. Did I already do this? Yeah. Jesus, uh, Seder, something, something, something. Pontius Pilate confronts Jesus and tells him that he must be put to death because he represents a threat to the Roman Empire. Jesus is flogged. Okay, I did read that because I yeah. remember the word flogged. Right, because okay. he's crucified. Uh, so while on the cross... While on the cross, Jesus uh, converses with a young girl who claims to be his guardian angel. Uh, She tells him that although he is the son of God, he is not the Messiah and that God is pleased with him and wants him to be happy. 
She brings him down off the cross and, invisible to the others, takes him to Mary Magdalene, whom he marries. They are soon expecting a child and living an idyllic life, but she abruptly dies, and Jesus is consoled by his angel. Next, he takes Mary and Martha, uh, the sisters of Lazarus, for his wives. Uh, He starts a family with them, having many children, and lives his life in peace. Yes. So this is about at the two-thirds point in the movie. And I think what's interesting is this is what the movie's actually about. Yeah. And it's it's over half of the movie has already happened before we get to really what the film is about, the title is implying. I could have probably done without a lot of the first half <laughs> and just scooted this whole part up quite a bit yeah. and not missed it. <laughs> I know it's, it's interesting. Cause it's like, I mean, a lot of that, a lot, a lot of that stuff in the, the first two thirds is like really good context. But I think that, I don't know. It's I actually I, I'm torn between whether or not I like the structure how it is like the ratio of mm-hmm. you know what we you know seeing these you know the story of the Bible you know being played out and then getting to this you know moment like so late in the movie I actually part of me kind of likes it but it's that being said because I'm so familiar with the material of mm. you know the first two thirds of the movie i'm like well this is like a lot of time that i des- don't necessarily need to be wasting yeah to get to what we're yeah. really what the re- movie really is about i don't know i also think though that like i yeah I, I agree with that i but i i think the movie gets visually a lot cooler once this starts yeah. Like once the crucifixion gets off and rolling, it's pretty intense. And then you get that death march and he's on the cross and the weird angel girl. Like suddenly like things are moving and I'm like, what is going to happen next? And maybe it is because I know the story so well, like you said, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like this is where we get the best stuff, the weirdest stuff from this becomes kind of a, dream at this point and it's and i don't know i i i think you could have still done a lot of the contextual stuff off top up top but i would have cut oh man i would have cut a lot (laughs) anyway dude um speaking of wild at heart you know the end of that movie an angel appears to nicholas cage right because there it's cheryl lee yeah that's interesting i just i'm trying to like I just did a Google search to see if there's any, it doesn't look like anyone's really written about this, but it's, there's some interesting parallels. They they share a lot in common, like, um, these, these two movies. They're both like radicalized versions of prior novel, like other stories, you know, this one being a biblical story, David Lynch as being the Wizard of Oz. It's, it's, um... And they both feature a lot of rock stars and musicians. Like that's another weird thing is like, you know, you look at the cast, every, almost every single one of them you can point to is like, this guy was a, was the, this guy was a rock star. This guy was in the band, the call, you know, 
Anyway. Anyway, that's been our episode on... Uh, <laughs> um, okay, many years later, uh, something about the Messiah. Many years Holy. later, the Paul stuff, right? Yeah, Jesus encounters the Apostle Paul preaching about the Messiah. Telling stories of Jesus' resurrection and ascension to heaven, Jesus tries to tell Paul that he is the man about whom Paul has been preaching and argues that salvation cannot be found on, founded on lies. But Paul is unmoved, saying that even if his message is not the truth, it is what the world needs to hear, and nothing will stop him from proclaiming it. Near the end of his life, an elderly Jesus calls his former uh, disciples to his bed, uh, Peter, Nathaniel, and a scarred John uh, visit their master as Jerusalem is in the throes of the Jewish rebellion against the Romans. Uh, Judas comes last and reveals that the youthful angel who released Jesus from the crucifixion is in fact Satan. Uh, crawling back through the burning city of Jerusalem, Jesus reaches the site of his crucifixion at Golgotha and begs God to let him fulfill his purpose, stating, I want to be the Messiah. Uh, suddenly, Jesus finds himself on the cross once more, having overcome the last temptation of escaping death, being married and raising a family, and the ensuing disaster that would have consequently encompassed mankind. Naked and bloody, Jesus cries <laughs> out in the intense emotion as he dies, It is accomplished. In realization that he has saved the soul of man, the screen flickers to white as the sound of tri uh, triumphant bells toll. Yeah, dude. Oh yeah, baby. That. Uh, by the way, that um, that ending is like, you know, it's gonna happen, and then it's somehow so satisfying to watch, and it's. The, it's because Scorsese's the man, dude. Like, he, 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 all that like sun bursting and film flickering that happens, the screen like flickering out at the end is just like it reminded me of like Punch Drunk Love. It was tight. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I did not remember that ending being as like cool and like rad as it was. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway. That was the uh, the last temptation of Christ, Jeremy. I'm curious sure to was. hear. So you said the first time you watched this movie, or you found it to be a little bit boring. Yeah, it was long and kind of boring to me, and I I don't think I got it at all. And I think I get it a little more now, but I still I think I just am. I think I also think this film like came out at a particular time right where this kind of this was a little bit more controversial and would have been a lot more it would have felt a lot more like i don't know uh, there would have been a lot more like loaded coming into this film but because it's you know at this point now 40 years old or whatever and it's you know kind of like eh, i don't know it's not as controversial as it once was i think that it was a i think that a lot of that sting has worn off and now we are able to just watch the movie sort of objectively which is interesting yes um so what do you what what do you give this movie okay yeah inter yeah on a on a scale of four chucky freckles on a scale of four chucky freckles so here's my thing 
I'm gonna I'm gonna ramp into it a little bit. I I I think this movie is actually pretty cool. I think this movie is pretty rad. And as long as you're not, as long as you're not really, <laughs> as long as you understand that, like, by the casting alone, Scorsese was sort of like, sort of rocking out in this movie. <laughs> he's like, he's like doing some rock and roll shit in here. I I think it becomes a little bit of a different watch, and I think that you see it. Not as like a less sincere movie, but as a little bit more of like a um, almost like an experimental film in some ways. Like this kind, this kind of shit is wild. Like it is a, it is a, it is a wild movie. It's wildly structured. It's it's got a lot of. Um, it's just got a lot going on in it. I do wish the first half was cut in half. I think, yeah. and the, and it, the film's runtime was just a lot shorter. I did not need. Yeah, over what is two the hours. the runtime's like two hours, two and a half two hours, and a half, or something? Yeah, yeah, two and a half, or maybe even longer, two hours forty minutes, almost three. Um, yeah, it's just too long. Is part you know part of part of the part of the issue. Uh, but I love all of the stuff with Harry Dean Stanton. I love the stuff with Bowie. I love the set, the last third of the film. Um, I love old Willem Dafoe Jesus. I think that that's so crazy. He looks so crazy in the movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna give this a. Uh, we'll give it a. Uh, I wish I had my other scores in front of me. I, I, for whatever reason, I don't. This is pending, but I'm gonna give it a uh, a three. Three out of four. No, two point seven five. Two point seven five. Got it. <laughs> two point seven five out of four for now. It might go up or down. I don't know. What about you, Eric? Uh, you know, Jeremy, I uh I this is a movie where and this has happened to me before on this podcast, is I will watch a movie and I will um be captivated by it. But I'll and I'll I'll think about it afterwards, and I'll be like, man, I don't know, like, I don't know what I think, like, I don't I don't know, like, I'm just kind of like, I don't know what to make of that kind yes, of thing, totally. And after you know, hearing your perspective and sort of you know, going through the the plot again and and, and this cast, I like your 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 uh, uh, comparing it to Scorsese kind of rocking out. Yeah. Um, I just you know I. I think I said like a couple, you know, episodes ago that a lot of these Scorseses that I've never seen before and are in it turning into like some of my favorite movies. This is not like one of my favorites, uh, but it's one of those movies that I'm just like, man, I respect the, I respect the dedication to the idea. Mm-hmm. I respect the um, execution. Uh, I do think it's like super. Like this cast is insane. It's truly insane. <laughs> it's so nuts. Um, it's wild, and I don't know. I just from like a film uh, making standpoint, I think it's. I think. I think it's very well done. Um, I. I guess I do. The more I think about it, I do agree with you that I. I, I wish we had. You know, at least like half and half. You know, give us the half the old stuff, half the new stuff. You know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, or or cut that first part in half. Give us like a a good like two hours. Mm-hmm. 
you know, hour and yeah. 45. Um, that being said, I don't know. It was also really interesting to like see some of these uh, actors, specifically Willem Dafoe, do some of these like, you know, old stories and things yeah. that I heard, you know, had been hearing for such a long time. These like ancient, you know, uh, Bible stories. It's, it's very interesting. I will say my favorite part about this movie is Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Uh, Willem Dafoe rocks in this movie. He's uh, he's not like one of my favorite actors, but I always, I, I pretty much always respect him and everything. Mm-hmm. But I watched this interview with him and he was talking about his selection process for roles and stuff once he got to that point where he could kind of be picky. And he was like, he read the script or whatever and was just like, I'm the guy for this. That's what he mm-hmm. said. He's like, I'm the guy to do this. And he and he was explaining that like sometimes, like a lot of times he'll turn down a role when he reads it and he says, oh, a lot of other guys can do this. Right. Like he gets really excited about a role when he, he, he'll like, he'll just be like, this is me. I got to do this one. Yeah. And uh, I think he nailed it. I think he, he's so good. Uh, just the commitment is t- just off the charts. It's crazy. I can't imagine like playing Jesus in a movie like this and right. having to like get into character. And uh, man, it's 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 like very good acting. But yeah, um, I like this movie. I think it's uh, I think it's very interesting. It's not one of my favorite Scorsese's, but it is. Uh, it, you got to respect it. I'll give it a two point five. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's great. It it's 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 better that we have it than that we don't. I'll say that for sure. Like, it's much better that we we have a we have this film out there. And you're right, man. I I really didn't give it up to Willem Dafoe enough in this episode. I kind of feel bad. He is he carries the whole movie. He's in every single scene for the most part. And vocally, what he's doing with his with his voice is so fun. He looks like like the perf- most perfectest white Jesus <laughs> you've ever seen with his with his cool ass eighties hair <laughs> and his dreamy eyes that are dilated so bad he cannot see anymore. Um yeah, it's it is a rock and roll blast. And I would encourage people to if they have the the Blu-ray, the Criterion um copy, to watch the so check this out, Eric. Uh Scorsese took a VHS camera to Morocco with him and he himself filmed the behind the scenes oh, to the film. So half of it is him like p- putting a camera in Harvey Keitel's face and watching Harvey Keitel be like, get the f- away from me. <laughs> and then the other half is him talking into camera. Like he has the, f- the camera so close to his face being like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know if I, is this like a diary? I don't even know what I'm doing this for. It's so charming and so cute and so cool to see him on set but it looked like it looked like a nightmare man they were all in trailers in the desert for the most part it just looked like yeah. they're it was very hot to film there they didn't have a lot of money so they didn't have a lot of amenities probably um yeah you're pretty much describing burning man by the way dude it, it looked like a burning <laughs> man for filming yeah um, um yeah great. cool Anyway, Jeremy, uh, our next Adam Sandler movie, and I think we've talked about this, is, is Eight Crazy Nights. Uh-huh. Um, and I think the plan was to just, because re- we, we just did Eight Crazy Nights. Oh, yeah, Christmas we're going to give ourselves a week off or something like that. Yeah, well, 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we'll do that. I mean, yeah. And uh, so if, you, if you're not a subscriber to the Patreon, here's a little freebie for you. Eight Crazy Nights. If I remember correctly, we talked a lot about how mean... Uh, oh, he is to the little guy. Are, he yeah. is to that little old man character. Yeah. Um, anyway. that's right. Yeah, it's a it's a good episode. Uh, we'll definitely have to rank it whenever we re- we we return. Um, but then after that is the next Scorsese movie, which I believe is Cape Fear. Oh, brother! I've y- you know I have seen Cape Fear. Of course. Yeah, I have only seen it one time though, so I'm excited to see it again. Jeremy, anything you want to uh, tell the people before we sign off? Absolutely not. Norma? I'll see you in my dreams. Thank you.